Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to episode nine of Western Centric. And thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to the show. I am your host, Colton Davies, and alongside me is my co-host, Matthew Zader. Today, we'll be talking about a 15-year-old who made his WHL debut for the Regina Pats over the weekend, a few former WHLers who signed um, an NHL extension, and the CHL announced celebrity coaches for the Top Prospects game, as well as a variety of other topics. And of course, our Scott Wheeler interview is also included. So I guess we'll start with the WHL debut. Um, he was not fifty; he was fifteen when he signed it, but he just had his birthday, so he's now sixteen. But sixteen-year-old Raiden Zacharias signed a WHL standard player agreement with the Regina Pats. Uh, he was a seventy-fifth overall selection in the twenty twenty-one. WHL draft and had been just playing with his hometown Saskatoon Blazers where he had 52 points in 40 in 40 games sorry uh, he made his debut in a 63 Pats loss to the Oil Kings but over the weekend he picked up an assist in a game against the Calgary Hitmen and has just played three games um, pretty exciting to see more players get a start here and make some debuts as you know the seasons begin to wind down uh, what are your thoughts yeah it's Especially, you know, when as the season goes, it's uh, yeah, like you said, it's nice to see these guys get some. It's a chance, and um, fifteen, like fifteen when he signed it, but uh, I mean, yeah, pretty much, <laughs> you know, sixteen year old and uh, getting a chance, and it's good to see him get an assist in his first, uh, you know, in, in not first game, but in some of the games already, pretty quick to get a first points, um. You know, so it's, it's, it's pretty cool to see that. Um, we'll see what he does. I mean, uh, you know, he'll probably get a chance as the season goes on here because of, you know, the, the Blazers aren't probably, you know, they're not making the play or no, they're trying to pats aren't going to make the playoffs. Right. So, um, yeah. he'll get a chance to play and, uh, we'll see what, what happens. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I think the, you know, the teams that have players who are kind of, or sorry, the teams that sort of aren't on like, you know, the brink of making playoffs are of course going to start showcasing these younger guys like Berkeley Catton's going to 
you know, get some games with Spokane if he hasn't already. And yeah, it's going to be cool to see. Um, I'm excited. Spokane yeah. comes to town tomorrow actually to play Camel. So I might, I might go check that out. Um, but we'll, we'll move along here to some other news. Um, there was some extensions, a couple of former players, uh, Matthew, you want to tell uh, everybody about that? Well, the biggest one, Dyson Mayu, uh, former Edmonton oil King, uh, signed a three-year contract extension with the Arizona Coyotes. They, he's 25 years old, so uh, he's got another three years now. It'll bring him to uh, 28. So, I mean, we'll see what he can do. And, you know, it looks like the Coyotes are, are going to have him as part of their rebuild. And that's great to see that. Um, but, I mean, he may not stay there the whole three years. He could still get traded. Not saying that, you know, whenever you sign a contract, it's not guaranteed that he'll be there the whole time. But, Mm -hmm. Um, just having him signed, I mean, that, that does, does show that he's probably going to be part of their future. And that's great to see. He's been, he's been really good this year, um, for the coyotes when he's played. So, um, so four years in the WHL, he played 248 games with the Edmonton oil Kings had a decent amount of points, 134 points, um, in those games. He's also a member of the 2014 Memorial cup champions, uh, too. So, uh, had a great WHL career and it's great to see him in the NHL getting a chance and uh, the Coyotes putting some confidence in him as well. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a guy that I remember being uh, part of that oil Kings run when they uh, went on to win in 2014. And we talked about last episode too, how Edmonton and Portland kind of had those few years where they went at it and back and forth and produced, um, I mean, a number of great NHLers. One player that I actually forgot that a friend pointed out was Oliver Bjorkstrand. Oh um, yeah. Who played for Portland. Uh, it was one player we kind of missed there, but no, it's exciting to see, see guys, you know, get their chances and, you know, he's been a crucial part of Arizona and uh, he, yeah, they'll get to keep him around for a few more years, which will be great to see. Yeah. So, I mean, he's got six points in 44 games in the NHL this year and um, decently, I mean, a minus nine on a bad team. That's not horrible. Um, you know, I mean, you'd think it would be much, much, low, much worse, but um, yeah, on a team like Arizona. Yeah. yeah. Minus nine is actually decent. So yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah. So, but I mean, three goals, uh, defenseman, you know, getting, he's putting some goals on the board. So, um, and he's one of those right-hand defensemen too. So, I mean, this is a guy that, you know, they're premium in the NHL. So we'll see what he can do. And like I say, he's, he's only 25. He's, he's kind of approaching his prime years now. So they basically signed him to play his through his prime here. So we'll see what type of development he and, it's great to say he's just from Victoria, so uh, pretty yep. close by as well. Yeah, yeah, BC boy, that's that's awesome to see. Yeah, you're right about him being in his prime for sure. Like they'll lock him up for those years, and he, I think he's the type of defenseman that can play that third string role for them and play, you know, a penalty kill role for them, and he'll be able to he'll he'll be useful. That's for sure. Um, moving on to some other news here, the CHL announced uh, a couple celebrity coaches for the top prospects game. I think they've, they've done this before, but um, so former Spokane chiefs and Lethbridge hurricanes goaltender, Jamie McLennan was named one of the coaches. Uh, McLennan went on to play in 11 NHL seasons. Uh, he is, of course is now host of the TSN's overdrive, uh, but he's a former goaltender who played from 1988 to 1991 with the Chiefs and the Hurricanes. He will be accompanied on the bench by Kitchener Rangers alumni Derek Roy and Rangers head coach Mike McKenzie. 
Um, pretty cool to see a former WHL guy like McLennan get this role. And I actually kind of remember McLennan playing in the NHL a little bit, but I only remember just the last few years. Like, I remember when he was with the Flames. That's kind of the only yeah. time I remember him. Um, I think that was just on the end of his career there, the, the kind of the downwind. But yeah, it'll be cool to see them go and do that. You know, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for the top prospects game. Um, I'm very excited for that. Well, yeah, because that's that's a big part of the you know the draft type of stuff too, right? So I mean, there's yeah. a lot of the draft eligible guys are there, and um, actually most of them are draft eligible guys. So yep, it's uh, or is it all of them? It's all of them. I think all um, of them. Yeah. Yeah. So all of them uh, are draft eligible. So you're going to, you know, see him showcase themselves and we'll get some good uh, scouting reports out of that game as well. I'm, I'm hoping. Right. So yeah. Um, see how all these guys are at where they're at and um, yeah, it's going to be a fun game to watch. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. We, we talked to uh, Scott Wheeler, of course, uh, that's part of this interview too, or part of this podcast. Sorry. Um, but you guys, you know, like, you'll listen to when we talk to him about the top prospects games and certain players were excited for, but you know, it's, we, I don't know if we had a top, pro, I don't think we had a top prospects game last year. No, I, I, I know. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah. It was canceled. Exactly. And we of course didn't have one the year before. So it's exciting to see one this year. And uh, you know, guys like, you know, Matthew Savoy and just you know, the regular guys from the WHL, of course, that we went over last week. Um, I'm just, I'm excited. Um, I wish I could go. That's something I wish yeah. I could go do though. I wish I could fly out there and go do that, but it doesn't always work with, you know, with work and, and life, of course. So, but you know, one day we'll go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe they, they had a top prospects game. Oh no, it wasn't a top prospects game. They had this, the subway super series in Kamloops once. Yeah. And I went to that the Canada, the WHL versus Russia. That was pretty cool, but we'll move along. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, next, we're going to talk about the player of the week. Uh, WHL player of the week this week is Carter Such or Souch. Uh, yep. You know, he had eight points, five goals, three assists, and only three games um, from Edmonton. Uh, yeah. Multiple points in the three games he played. Uh, so, I mean, it's this is a guy that's been, he's undrafted. This is his last going to be his last year of draft eligibility. So, I mean, it's great to see him kind of having a great send off season and we'll see what happens in the draft here because uh, I said, he's, he's on his last chance. Uh, so, I mean, passed over in the couple of drafts already. Um, you know, the last year was kind of a weird draft. So, I mean, a lot of these guys didn't even get looked at a lot of these overagers overagers. So, I mean, it's great to see him showcase himself at a heck of a week. Um, so, I mean, you know, the biggest thing that I've, you know, looking at, at him, you know, preparing for this episode, kind of looking at what he is and he seems like his, the knock on him is his skating and that, uh, you know, he doesn't yeah. have, has the, the best style of skating and, you know, he has to work on that, but I mean, he can work on it and hopefully he can get a chance maybe not in the NHL, but you know, AHL, ECHL, there's chances there. He's got career high 57 points this season, got 19 goals, um, you know, up from last year, we only had six and 22. So, I mean, in a shortened season. So, I mean, it's great to see that he's bounced back and, you know, the previous season he had 18 goals. So he's at one past that now and a lot more assists. So, and a plus 31. So, I mean, that, that, that looks really good. I mean, the Edmonton Oil Kings are a ridiculously good team as well. So, um, 
fact, he's played there all his career and uh, hopefully gets, you know, a team kind of takes a chance on him or even if he doesn't get drafted that a team uh, signs him to something. So um, because, you know, he's had a great season and uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping that he gets something. I think he is somebody, you know, there's a few players in the WHL of the overagers in that category that have been producing quite well. And yeah. somebody that we're actually going to be talking to tomorrow, um, we're going to be interviewing for the podcast, but you know, when it comes to those guys, um, we're seeing it right now. I'm seeing it right now in Camels with Luke Toporowski. I mean, holy crap. Yeah. yeah. Like he, I, I joked about it with a friend, but I think it, you know, it could become a reality here. He's probably on pace to set a record for most points produced by a player after being traded in the yeah. WHL. He's absolutely been on fire. And I don't know what the point totals are. I don't know the history behind that, but he's got to be one of the top players out there who's just been traded and just had that insane turnaround season. But back to Carter Such, he's a guy who, you know, Elite Prospects has him at projected to, I love this new projected thing that Elite Prospects has implemented. (laughs) Holy cow. It's so useful and so nice to have. But he's projected to hit 75 points in a full season, of course. Um, I mean, granted, we only have 12 games left, I guess, or just over. We have 50. Yeah, we have a handful of games left. Anyways, point is, that's pretty good. And, you know, he's currently at 57 points, like you mentioned, 27 points last year, too, like you mentioned. I mean, he's proven to be a player who can who can put up points. And the other thing to notice, too, is the other couple of years ago, Edmonton wasn't the behemoth that they were. This yeah. is, I mean, they've always had players. They've always been good. I'm sure people yap it about that. But they've they weren't the behemoth that they were this year with uh, with the loaded talent that they have. No. So he's playing on a, a very, very good team, which, I mean, helps. Um, but, you know, it's it's cool to see him, be, you know, being an undrafted player, but having those point totals and being up there with guys like Genther, guys like uh, Jakob Demick, Jalen Lupin, Jake Neighbors, et cetera. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's been he's been really good for them. And I'm excited to see what he can what he can do. Yeah. Um He's got just 12, to, he's got 12 yeah. points in his last six games. So I mean, yeah, like he's just on fire. Yeah. He's, or five games last five. And he's on that five game point streak, got 12 points in that streak. So yep. um, yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. So <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> it was, uh, well, it was actually my, uh, one of my colleagues at Canucks army, Chris Faber, who tweeted out about, um, another player who's an overager who's just having a good year, uh, Arshdeep Baines out of the yeah, Red Deer yeah. Rebels. And, you know, the Canucks could take a look at him, somebody that I think, you know, that they could maybe go after. Um, we'll there's get into guys. that in a minute, though. But yeah, exactly, though, yeah. there's a few guys. So, there's a few guys, like, in the OHL, too. I mean, Kartai yeah. is is leading the league. I mean, and he's an overager. So, I mean, yep. yeah. It's pretty it's, crazy. Yeah, it's going to be, it'll be interesting to see. Um, I'm excited to see what, uh, what these overagers can do. And it's nice to see guys like Carter, um, you know, just have these great weeks and have themselves, um, you know, yeah. Have themselves these great weeks. They're in their last year of eligibility and it's awesome to see. Yeah. My freaking cat is <laughs> what? Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> my apologies um so we'll move along there um 
couple of WHL players, former WHL players, have been recalled by NHL clubs. So Jake Christensen, who played for the Everett Silver Tips from 2015 to 2020, was recalled from the Cleveland Monsters of the American Hockey League uh, to join the Columbus Blue Jackets as on an emergency basis. Uh, Christensen is somebody that I actually recall seeing um, a handful of times in Kamloops when he came here to play. Uh, but he spent his five-year career all with the Silver Tips. Uh, played in 297 games um, and had 152 points, which is pretty good for a for, pretty good for a defenseman. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, the thing is about the Columbus Blue Jackets are having some good luck with a lot of these guys they're calling up, like Brendan Gauntz, former Canuck. Uh, he's and I think I believe Gauntz played. Did he play in the Dow or did he play in the OHL? And he played in the Ontario league. Yeah. So, but I mean, this is another guy that's, you know, these guys, the Columbus seems to be um, JF Barube as well. I mean, yep. Seems to be getting some luck with some of these guys are calling up. So we'll see. Yep. And then Cole Lind, another player was recalled by the Seattle Kraken. Lind played for the Kelowna Rockets from 2014 till 2018 um, in four games with the Kraken this year already. He has one assist. But he's been playing for the Charlotte Checkers of the American Hockey League because right now Seattle doesn't really have a farm team. So they're sharing, I think, is how it's working. Yeah, I could be wrong if they're sharing, but I do believe they're sharing with Florida. But the Checkers, um, he's been playing in Charlotte and where he has 16 goals and 17 assists. So he's been he's been doing pretty well down in the American League. Yeah, um, had a good season last year, too, before yeah. he was picked up by the by the Kraken from the Canucks. So um speaking of former Canucks there's another one um you know yeah. Lind I kind of am still kind of angry that the Canucks didn't you know claim him off, off waivers and then he was on waivers there but the thing is is Lind would have to play in the NHL and uh I mean he still has potential but uh we'll see what happens with him I mean I, I still think he's going to be a serviceable NHLer um you know as he, he develops but uh you know, it's good to get him, have, have him come up in the NHL again, see what he can do on a team. That's horrible. I mean, the, <laughs> no sugar coating it, the Kraken aren't very good. So I find it. Um, yeah. I find it funny that people thought they were going to be good. Like, and it's, it's no disrespect, but there were some people out there when they did their draft after they did their expansion draft where people had said that they're going to be as good as Vegas was. And that just, that's no, not right. Yeah, no. that's not how it is. I think but, the Vegas, I mean, the thing is Vegas had a lot, I think a lot more, they got away with a lot more Yeah. Um, in their trading, you know, before the draft, you know, making these deals, side deals. I mean, there weren't many side deals at all. Um, yeah. You know, before the draft, you know, those, those Shea Theodore type things that they got Shea, you know, they got Shea Theodore, in a trade before the expansion draft, just, just so that they wouldn't pick Josh Manson. So it's like it, it, yeah. I mean, there was a lot more of those deals that happened and that's how they kind of built their team away from the, I mean, they built a lot of their team away from the expansion draft, in my opinion. I mean, I think, yep. you know, Theodore wasn't, wasn't part of the expansion draft. He was traded for, um, you know, there was all these, yeah, like I say, side deals that were kind of, made beforehand that got them in that position and cracking the gms were just so they knew and they said well, we're not going to get our uh you know asses kicked here right <laughs> again so yeah. i mean yeah absolutely i you know i i see it that way too um and it's going to be interesting to see what 
the Kraken can do, you know, heading into the future and what they can do even at this, at this draft and how they can build, you know, more of a prospect pool. Um, They may even get, they have a huge chance of first overall pick, right? So that's it. That's it too. (laughs) They're going to, they have the chance for that. And they, I mean, it's almost guaranteed that they're going to get a top five pick. It seems like, Um, so, you know, they'll have somebody to go along with a Maddie Beneers and, you like we talked about with with Wheeler is is Beniers another guy who like power will just opt to go to the NHL or do both of them go back for their studies? It's yes. it's going to be interesting to see what this summer holds. Um, and as for Cole Lind, you know I'm excited for him. Um, it's nice to see him play. I noticed he's got 98 penalty minutes. I was trying to, I kind of just was having a look to see if he like just became a fighter all of a sudden. He's only got two fights this season, so he's doing something out there that he probably shouldn't be doing, but he he's, he's a guy who I thought the Canucks maybe gave up on. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I, I don't know what happened. It seemed like last year they were high on Lind Gadjevich. Uh, yeah. Both gone now. Uh, now, now both gone. Yep. Both gone for nothing too. I mean, this is, this was exactly what gets me because, you know, Gadjevich claimed on waivers, Cole Lind, basically claimed on waivers. I mean, you think about it. I mean, they didn't get anything for him. He was claimed in, in a something other than they left him exposed. So yeah, they didn't yeah. get anything. So, I mean, yeah. this is, these are assets that I think, like, I mean, it's hard to criticize the Canucks now because they have such a, they have all new management, all new front office. So it's not, I mean, who knows what they would have done with these guys. I mean, you never know, but you know, the previous well, I think regime, that's part of it too. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the previous regime were just so. I think their asset management was just horrible. So I mean, but yep, especially with the younger guys. Yeah, I I mean, you you look back at some of those drafts even, and like you you want to do the redrafts and get different players, and I'm sure like we you know we've talked about it before, but like the old drafting Oli Oli Levy, you know in 2015 like was that the right choice like i i don't know i, don't know. I mean again this is I I've, I've written about this i don't know how many times but when yolevi was still in the system was that you know any team was going to pick him there i mean i'm oh, sorry 2016 yolevi was, was rated to go that high i mean yep his all his rankings were all around there all the experts all like bob mckenzie's of the world um we're saying he's supposed to be sixth overall, seventh overall. I mean, this wasn't a surprise that the Canucks were picking him there. I mean, yes, looking back at it now, yeah, you you pick, you'd rather pick maybe a guy, guy like Chitrin or uh, no, Chitrin wasn't in that draft. Um, McAvoy, you know, those guys, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, there were so many other good defensemen that you could have picked over him. But I mean, he was ready to go that high as that he was, you know, his skill level was really high when those, calm calculated defenseman but you know he wasn't flashy and everyone was thinking oh he's gonna be a flashy defenseman he wasn't he wasn't even in that doing that in junior so (laughs) yep and that's the thing he he played with london he was good with london like or he was he was he was decent with london i guess you could say but you look outside of that top five and like um you look outside, even just like who else there is for defense, and like Mikhail Sergachev, um, yeah, like Jake Bean, Charlie McAvoy, like you mentioned, uh, Jacob Chitrin, Dante Chitrin Fabro. Was in the draft. 
um, oh. Logan Stanley, Dennis Cholowski. Like those are just some of the guys that went in the first round there, but outside of Jewel Levy, that's, ex- you know, that's exactly it. Who, who would have been the other pick? Like maybe if they wanted the defenseman, the other pick could have been Sergachev, but it, it's tough to look back and think that they passed on a guy like, you know, Matt Kachuk and Clayton Keller and Alex Nylander. Oh, I mean, now, uh, yeah. <laughs> Tyson Jost too, you know, like there was quite a few players that they passed on that they could have gone for, but that's the beauty of yeah. looking back at drafts. And the thing is, you know, look at what the Canucks needed at that time. Um, they needed defensemen. So, I mean, yeah. they needed to build that defense and uh, prospect wise. And you know, I mean, Hughes wasn't here yet. So nope. yeah, it, it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough to say what, they did. Yeah, there were better defensemen. There were more dynamic defense, more two-way guys that maybe were more than you levy. But I mean, yeah, it's difficult to look back on any of these drafts and say, you know, we have benefit of hindsight is is really good. So <laughs> yeah. And that's just it. Yeah. You you look back and you just make those decisions, but at the time you think you're making the right decision. It's yeah, that's the thing. You I'm sure lots of GMs and you know, wish they could do a redraft, of course. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked about it before. Uh, just moving on, though, a um, couple signings today, uh, overagers, as we were talking about. So Portland Winterhawks goaltender Taylor Gautier signed a three-year entry-level contract with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Good for him. Somebody we talked about last week uh, who broke some records, set some franchise records. I mean, he's been having quite a remarkable turnaround since he's been with Portland just another person like another player that we talked about um who can be added to like to, like Luke Toporowski um okay. has been incredible so good for him um and then Henry Rybinski um signed a deal with the Washington Capitals uh Tarek El Bashir of the Athletic reported that the team signed Henry Rybinski from the Seattle Thunderbirds Rybinski currently uh was a sorry was a former draft pick of the Florida Panthers in 2019, but due to failing to sign a contract with them, he became a free agent and he has had a good season. So he started to draw interest and the Capitals picked him up. Um, it's, I think he's a good pickup. Uh, I did see that the Canucks were interested in him. Um, they did not get him of course, uh, but he's got 54 points in 39 games this season. So yeah, that's not bad. He's doing pretty good. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. To, like you said before, it's going to be interesting to see what how many more of these signings get going because um, that's what people, you know, teams are looking at. And the Canucks in, in particular, that's, you know, they didn't say they're looking at OHL guys and more NCAA in Europe. But, um, you know, just hearing that they're interested in, um, that they were in on him is looking like they're going to be looking elsewhere as well. So, I mean, there are a few intriguing guys that I think the Canucks should be going for. So, and a lot of NHL teams are going to be looking, um, not just WHL, OHL junior leagues, but in the NCAA as well. So it's going to be interesting to follow where these um, guys sign. Cause I think a lot of these overagers, they're going to sign somewhere, especially with the seasons they're having. We look at a guy like uh, Clay Hannis out of Portland and he made, you know, he made international news when he did that Zegers move. Yeah. They, they pulled the Zegers, him and James Stefan <laughs> pulled the Zegers move off. And, you know, he's a, a Minnesota kid who's got 54 points this year um, in 52 games. He's somebody that is going to draw a lot of attention. And I think is probably one of the top 
overagers out of the WHL who is gonna gonna get that attention. And same with the Archdeep Baines, as we've mentioned, um, Tyson Feist and Connor Horning out of the Vancouver Giants. So there's there's a few guys. Yeah, and then uh, then the guy we're gonna be talking about soon is Bailey Peach too. So yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. And then yeah, Bailey Peach. So you know, um, spoiler alert: we're having him come on. So. <laughs> I mean, we may as well just tell you guys, yeah, we're, so we're excited to talk to him. Um, that'll be coming out next week. Um, and then, you know, you can even add, uh, I've mentioned him before, but you add Toporowski's name into that too. Uh, he's somebody that's definitely going to be trying to get that, um, get that pro contract. Um, but, and then I had that list from Chris Faber that I was talking about earlier. Nathan Steos is another guy to look at um, out of the OHL there. So there's a handful of guys that, that are, you know, proving themselves that need those that are not need, but you know, they want those pro contracts. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're doing, sure doing, uh, doing their best to, to get the, everyone on the radar. So all the, all the scouts. So yep, I'm sure they'll get, they'll get some interest from somewhere. And that's the thing. I mean, not just the NHL. I mean, you, you got AHL uh, teams. be looking as well. So. Yeah. Exactly. And, no contract well, and in general. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, you want, like, it's like I was talking about with a friend, with a buddy, it doesn't really matter. Like there's been tons of overage guys who have gone on to play in the East coast league and they're playing in the East coast league right now or in the ECHL. Yeah. So it's not even called the East coast hockey league anymore. It's just called the ECHL. So there's tons of guys that are playing out there and, you know, you take whatever chance you can get and it's going to be exciting to see, you know, uh, one player that had quite a crazy road um, to the to the National Hockey League is former WHLer Derek Ryan. He spent time with Spokane. He spent time in Canadian University playing hockey. He spent time in the East Coast League when it was called the East Coast League. And then he was overseas. And then finally made his NHL debut when he was 31. And he just scored a, a hat trick this past week too. Huh. So, yeah, you know, the road is you know the road is short for some players and it's longer for others um but you know when you obviously get there it's a dream come true yeah um yeah like you said some sometimes the road is winding for a lot of these guys it takes a while exactly and that's Uh, the thing sometimes it takes a while you've got to be patient yeah and and that's why you know you say to these guys it's like they don't get drafted well you know it's not it's not the end of the world i mean you you can Maybe you have, you know, a little bit more work that you have to put in, but being undrafted is not the end of your career. I mean, you, you can go looking elsewhere and um, that's why I love the stories of these guys persevering and getting a chance because, you know, the, the Connor Bedards and the Connor McDavid's of the world, they get their chance right away. Yeah. Um, yep. They have an easy road to it. I mean, yes, they're talented, they're ridiculously talented. So yeah, they deserve that, but yeah um they got they got it easy i mean not saying they don't work hard they definitely work hard and but um you know some of these other guys they have to work harder so (laughs) i love it when they you know these guys other guys that aren't expected to do anything yeah they defy the odds and you know they're the underdog players in the in the in the prospect systems and you know just as we wrap things up here and we segue into the scott wheeler interview he, he, we, somebody we talked to Wheeler about was Victor Pershon and whether or not, you know, he's that seventh round pick and he's 
Is he going to have that long road? Is he somebody as a seventh round pick? Is he going to defy those odds? Um, it's, it's always cool to watch different players. It's just cool to watch players make their, you know, go down this road and get to the NHL. And when they get to the NHL and look at what they've been able to complete um, up to, you know, it's always the accomplishments are incredible for, for all of them. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like we mentioned, it's a dream come true, whether you you're that Connor Bedard player where you play, well, Bedard has to play a few years because he's he got exceptional status. So he's got to play a few years, but you know, it's whether or not you're, you're that bona fide number one pick like him um, where he kind of knows he's got that NHL career and you have somebody else on the cusp of, you know, a third round, fourth round guy who you don't know if they're going to make it. Yeah. Yeah. That's why the draft is so fun to, to, to go through and, and follow these yeah. prospects. That's why I love doing it. So yeah. Um, to, to see where, you know, covering them at this early of an age. And then all of a sudden you see, you know, we interviewed like Logan Stankoven there and, yep. you know, you know, eventually I believe, you know, we both believe this, that he'll become an NHL player. And we can say, we talked to him before he was a, you know, $10 million guy, whatever, five exactly. million guy. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about that. And, you know, um, it's, it's just a, it's always a, it's a crazy road is what I've learned. And, you know, we've talked to Stan Coven too, and he was somebody who had, you know, he had the thoughts maybe that he'd go in the first round and he, and he didn't. And that, but that shocked a lot of people, even it shocked scouts too. And there's different reasons players don't go where they go. And, you know, when you end up with that team, um, it's always, it's usually a good fit. I mean, Dallas is good for him. I think that's going to be a good spot for him, especially as he mentioned too, there's that fit with the Blazers and they've got that history with the Canvas Blazers. Um, but you, you look at a guy like him who was a second round 41st overall pick 42nd overall pick. And he, he, you know, will in a few years in five years time, probably go, yeah, he should have, he, he should have been a first over first round pick. Like he oh, should yeah. have been, should have been a top 15 pick or whatever it's going to be. So it's always interesting to look, you know? Yeah, that's definitely for sure. <laughs> so as we segue into the Scott Wheeler interview here, um, you know, it was great to talk to him. Um, he of course heads up the, prospects division at the athletic he covers everything to do with the world juniors top prospects game college he is their guy um so it was awesome to just pick his brain and just talk about certain prospects and talk about you know the canucks farm system as we're both canucks writers so it's it's nice to just to talk to somebody who's got that load of knowledge and i think you guys are really going to enjoy um what we have to uh you know, offer you guys here with this interview. Um, Matthew, you, you, what did you think about talking to him? Well, it was a great interview. I mean, he got, a, got a lot of, a lot of information. Um, he's very, very interesting. Uh, how much, you know, how much knowledge he has It's so easy to talk to him too. So yeah. Um, yeah. He's, he's a great, uh, great. I mean, I'm sure you guys have read his writing, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> listening to this podcast. I'm sure you've read it. Um, his stuff, but, um, yeah, the interview was great and, uh, you know, you guys are going to enjoy it. So, I mean, lots of stuff that he talked about and we talked about, like say Canucks prospects, the draft world juniors, uh, 
it's a great half an hour interview. So uh, yeah, definitely um, check that out next because it's it's great. Yeah, he kind of shocked me with his answer about uh, Team Canada, just because it was so different from what you and I had talked about last week, yeah. where we thought, you know, there might be some changes, but you, who knows? So he's here's he's the inside guy. He knows stuff. So. So we're going to trend, we're going to, we'll segue into that now. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for all the support. Thank you for listening. Um, check out our links down below to both of our profiles to where we write. Um, for I, I write for the Canucks Army. Matthew covers the Vancouver Canucks for the hockey writers. He's also a prospects guru over there. I'll link everything down below and check out Scott's stuff as well. All of his links will be down below. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to us and enjoy the interview. Welcome to the show, everybody. Our next guest is a current writer for The Athletic, where he reports on NHL draft and prospects. Please welcome to the podcast, Scott Wheeler. How are you doing today, Scott? I'm doing well. I'm, uh, I keep saying this when I do these podcasts, but I'm currently in my basement, kind of in the midst of unpacking. We just moved a couple of weeks ago, so nice. a, little bit of a little bit of a whirlwind, but we're happy to be, happy to be getting settled. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, moves are always fun. I've been a part of those a few times. Um, yeah, they suck. They definitely do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so we just wanted to bring you on. I mean, you've got a, a load of knowledge with prospects and draft stuff. I've been following you now. Um, you know, with the CHL and top prospects game coming up, we just wanted to get your thoughts on some stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, guys like Matthew Seminoff, Matt Slingren, and Fraser Minton are guys I'm really big fans of. Um, okay. Bi- bias, of course, with Kamloops. I just wanted your thoughts on maybe what Matt Slingren can do and if you see him maybe as like a first-round player in this year's draft. Well, I, I think Matt's of, of those three names is the best of the bunch. Uh, I'm a really big fan of Lindgren. I was pumping his tires really early on this season to say, okay, this kid may be a sort of 30s guy. Like he looks yeah. like he can be a late first or if not an early second. And that's about where I still am at on him. The, the consensus has come around a little bit on that as well. I think most scouts coming into this season uh, saw him more as kind of a second, third round guy. And he has definitely helped himself with his play. Uh, he's a, he not, I don't want to say throwback, but he plays the game really hard. He's a very effective and he just plays an efficient sort of attacking, confident, almost commanding kind of style out there. He looks to impact the game and make a difference and drive results and all of that. So, uh, uh, yeah, he, he's a kid that I've really grown fond of in this draft class and a kid that I think over the course of this season, over the course of next season, uh, is really going to establish himself as one of the better defenders in junior hockey. Yeah, I I mean, that's great. I love that. Everything he said about him, like he, as a Blazers fan, I'm kind of biased um, just because I've, you know, I go to all the games, but he's somebody that I've seen who's been one of the best defenders and the Blazers have had in like the last 15 years. Like he's remarkable with the puck and he's somebody I could, I think he's, on that cusp of being that first round pick for sure. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And then just sticking with, uh, with that and Denton Matejchuk, you know, watching him, he's one of my, one of the favorite defenders in the draft coming up for me. And there's, there's so many good defensemen that are supposed to be going in the first round. Right. Um, I'm curious to know how uh, you think, how you compare him to the other defenders in that first round. um, Because he's, 
I don't know. He's really impressive. I, I don't know where he's going to go in that. But um, what do you think about him? Well, I think after you get past the, the the sort of top two defensemen in this draft, which is obviously David Giracic and Simon Nemitz, no matter how you kind of order them, I think that seems to be the consensus at this point. Once you get past the, those two, he has to sort of established himself as, as in that conversation to be the third defenseman off the board. I think some teams really like Samish Casey out of the yeah. national development program. Uh, I think most teams though would argue that that Denton is, is the better player. Obviously it started with him making as an underager, the under 18 team and playing well in a depth role there. And that has really blossomed into this season. I've spoken to staff there about him. They love him. They think he's a tremendous player, sort of three zone player, a, a very smooth polished player for his age we don't typically see defensemen without the without warts if you will even a player like Lindgren he comes with some warts to his game still uh so Matichuk is uh, almost there's nothing to pick holes in uh in terms of what he looks like the style that he plays he's just an effective impactful modern kind of style defenseman uh and and I think for a long time the question was okay will his production match how effective he is out there because everybody recognized that he was already a very, very good player, but there were questions about kind of the offensive upside and this season in terms of finishing plays, whether that's with the pass that creates a goal or with finding pucks through to the net for rebounds and all of that attacking off the line, joining in transition a little bit more. He's just playing a more ambitious game. Uh, and I think that has helped him sort of find that next level, find that, okay, if he's not a top 10 pick, he's probably a top 15 guy. Yeah. I see that too. I, I see a lot of people compare between him and Kevin Korchinski out of Seattle and whether yep. who's going to be the first WHL guy to go off the board. And I believe yep. it'll be Matej Chuck for sure. I um, would agree. And, and that's not a knock against Korchinski. Who's no, of course. No. As well. Yeah, no, of course not. Um, so just sticking to um, the Blazers, just with my question here, just for one more, um, Logan Stankoven is one of my favorite players. And uh, he, of course, dropped to the second round. And he was somebody I had pegged in the first round. And mm-hmm. you also had him in the first round as well. Yep. Uh, he fell due to size. That's what I will obviously say. And that's what I stand by. Um, but what is it that you like about him? And, you know, this season he's had such a resurgence and he's just leading the Blazers. Um, what do you think the future holds for him? Well, I, I think the appeal of Stankoven was all, always kind of his ability to score from the hash marks, right? That was coming yeah. up what his bread and butter was. He was a sensation in minor hockey. I remember having a coach who coached against him in minor hockey describe him to me as like a terror out there. Like he was just impossible to stop in minor hockey. But I think what has become so admirable about Logan and the way that he plays is just that he's got that workman sort of lunch pail approach as well. So it's not just this offensive catalyst who can finish a lot of plays and create in the offensive zone. He's also an extremely impressive player on the forecheck. He's strong over his feet. He's got a low center of gravity and he just plays like an ox out there where he's constantly in the mix. He's constantly finishing his checks and getting underneath guys to come up with pucks and winning board battles and all of that has really become not just a, an element of his game, which you would hope it would be if he's going to be successful at his size, but it has really become a hallmark of, of his game. Uh, and I think that is going to carry him to the NHL more than the, the raw ability, which is also there just because 
whether it's fair or not, teams still believe that players who play at that size need to have some of those elements to overcome it. And I think Logan has that. And Everybody who watches him play now, especially this season, I saw him in Calgary twice this year for Team Canada's camps. I saw him in Edmonton. And you talk to scouts about him. Everybody just says, look, this kid just works so darn hard as well. Uh, and then obviously has the skill that you expect out of smaller players on top of that. So uh, I'm a big, big fan. I, I think he's going to look like a very good NHL player someday. And he's not going to be Alex DeBrinkin. He's not going to be the, the Cole Caulfields of the world, right? Who, who make it at that size and really have that sort of dynamic power play one game breaking upside. Yep. But in saying that, I, I still think he can be a top nine guy who scores goals and plays on your power play and gives you a little bit of a different element in your top nine. And, and that is an extremely valuable piece. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned that forechecking, and that's something that I've definitely noticed too. And, you know, for his size, he, in a sense, he kind of reminds me of like Brad Marchand just for like the forechecking and just the relentless, uh, being relentless and just always, you know, just a puck hound. Um, yep. But but I agree. I think he definitely will fit that top nine role for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what he does with it. He's a great kid as well, so. Yeah, we've had him on the podcast. Uh, he was <laughs> awesome to talk to. Yeah. Um, well, sticking with the Blazers, um, you know, I've, I've written about uh, Victor Pearson and mm-hmm. uh, seventh round pick. Now, kind of moving his way up on the Canucks prospect rankings for me, at least. And what do you think his ceiling is in the NHL? Um, does he have Does he have NHL potential, or uh, what do you think? Well, I think the hope with a player like Pearson uh, is just that he becomes a guy, right? Like you're, you're not watching. I don't think anybody watches him play and says that's a fourth top four package, right? Like he's very likely if he makes it going to be a six, seven defenseman, kind of a very good AHL type who's a call-up option. I think that's what the expectation has to be for him at his ceiling. Uh, and that's, I think, attainable for him. He, he's a very, very... Um, I, he's it's hard to describe Victor because he doesn't play a flashy game, but I actually think he could, if he were playing a little bit more aggressively, like he's a kid who moves very well. He understands spacing. He understands when to attack and when to sort of make the safe play. He's got, he's excellent on outlets. I've seen him really stretch the ice this year with some sort of leading three zone passes, that kind of a thing. Uh, and I, I've actually complained a little bit about him over the years that I, I, I would, I would like to see him just be a little bit more aggressive and look to dictate offensively a little bit more. I think he defends well, he's got a pro frame, so he does check a lot of boxes, but I think ultimately those guys who don't have that really sort of dynamic quality offensively and also aren't the sort of classic stay at home defensive defender types it can, it can be hard for them. The game is changing where teams aren't trying to fill roles quite like they used to. So maybe not all six guys either have to be the offensive or the defensive type, but he kind of fits into that in between as just kind of a steady, good two-way guy. And there, there are a lot of those players. That's obviously the biggest challenge. It can be, come hard for those types of defensemen to climb over one another to make it to the NHL. Uh, So he's definitely a long shot in that sense, especially with where he was drafted and uh, all of that. But I do think him coming over and playing in the WHL this year has been good for him and and set him on a better path than the one that he was on in Sweden. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree to that, especially watching him too. Um, He's been 
he's been interesting to watch and I think it would have been beneficial if he was able to of course come over last year but with COVID he was unable to um I think that's taken a bit of a hit on him but I mean we'll see what the future holds um so I just wanted to ask you about the World Juniors so it's possibly restarting in August um it Mm -hmm. seems like all signs are pointing to it restarting um do you think Canada goes back to the drawing board and maybe adds a couple guys to their roster like a Matthew Savoy or a Connor Geeky I don't think that's Super likely. I, yeah. I think they almost every team in the tournament will bring everybody that is available that was on their previous team. I think that's just forget the hockey side of it. It's just the right thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do expect that everybody who's available, i.e. kids who pass protocol, kids who aren't injured, and kids whose NHL clubs make them available. I think all those kids that were on the prior roster will will be invited, will come, will play. So what happens then is, okay, how many guys from every team aren't going to fit those criteria? How many guys are going to have NHL clubs who now heading into training camp don't want them to participate? I think that's quite likely for a player like Owen Power, who doesn't really have anything left to prove against his mm-hmm. peers. And they, the Sabres are just going to likely want to make sure that he's healthy. Um, maybe Owen really pushes for it and they let him go because he wants to go win a gold medal and he's not going to get another opportunity to play at the World Juniors. So maybe we will still see someone like Owen there. But I think by and large, those are the kinds of guys that you could see absent. And then maybe there's two or three guys per team who are new faces. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see. I I don't think that those new faces will be someone like a a Geeky or a Savoy. Uh, I would love to see Carter Savoy there. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I I don't think Matt and and Connor are going to be on their radar. Uh, And I think the players that they do take or add will likely be players that we saw in Calgary in December for their final selection camp as part of Mm -hmm. that process, which may mean that people are really upset not to see Brant Clark on the team yet again. Uh, But uh, someone like Brant will be there uh, in in 2023, a few months later when they do the tournament all over again. So uh, we'll see what happens with that. It's supposed to be in Russia. And as we know, with everything that's going on right now, I'm not convinced that the IHF will host it in Russia. So that's Mm -hmm. still TBD in terms of the 2023 tournament going in December. But uh, no, I, I think you'll see players who were in camp and, and sort of among the final cuts, you might see a Hendricks Lapierre make the team um you okay. might see uh who else was sort of one of the final cuts a luke evangelista who's obviously been unbelievable for the yeah. london knights this year and had an, almost a historic season with london so i think those are the names that you'll you'll likely see added to the team if, if there are guys like owen power or cole perfetti that or mason mctavish even that aren't made available yeah yeah, yeah for sure i think yeah i think you're you hit the nail right there like Cole Perfetti is definitely somebody that I feel like will not be going just because he's already playing a crucial role with the Jets and the Jets are going to just, you know, they don't want to take that risk that Chicago Chicago took with Kirby Doc and mm-hmm. Kirby Doc got injured. And yeah, I think that's the fair assumption. And Cole has been there before. Obviously, yeah. he wants to win a gold yeah. after the silver defeat to the Americans. But uh, yeah, he's been there before. So I, yeah. I don't think there's huge pressure to go back. Yeah, of course. Um, well, sticking with international, um, I wanted to ask you about Juraj Slavkovsky. I mean, he's not mm-hmm. WHL, so, but I mean, he's uh, he's a guy that's kind of jumped up into that top three conversation. Do you think he's in the first overall with uh, with Shane right now, or is it that right still the guy? 
I still think there it's right. And then there's a conversation that's developing about two, three, four in this draft class. Teams have a lot of actually different names there. I would probably suggest that the most common in terms of the conversations I've had with NHL clubs is Logan Cooley still for second overall. But I think Slavkovsky is probably the, if you, if I were to pull 10 scouts tomorrow, it's probably right. Then Cooley, then Slavkovsky. So Slavkovsky is kind of in that three, four conversation now, whereas I don't know, pre-Olympics, he was probably more in that five, six, seven conversation for most teams. Uh, so it, it has helped him for sure. He played extremely well. I'm very much looking forward to seeing what the back half of this season looks like for him in Liga, because if he can produce there like he did in in, in uh, Beijing or even close, uh, just take an uptick in, in production, uh, that that'll be big for him and a potential sort of game changer for him. Even uh, I, I don't think it's out of the question that we see the first overall conversation change and that someone like Slavkovsky or Logan Cooley is ultimately selected first overall. But I still think that's the least likely of, of the three outcomes and that Shane is the, the odds on favorite. And especially with the way Shane has played the last couple of weeks, I think that has helped him sort of recenter the conversation on himself. Uh, that Kingston team, which was very inconsistent early on in the year, is now starting to play better. Uh, I still think they're, they've got a chance to go to the Memorial Cup this season, and that would be big for Shane. Uh, yeah. So, the, yeah, they, it's not over. Uh, e even as the KHL season wraps up, a lot of these other leagues still have a lot of runway left in their campaigns, uh, including over here for Shane in the OHL and potentially the Memorial Cup. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how things play out because the Memorial Cup is now scheduled for June late June uh, after it was originally scheduled for early June. So the Memorial Cup is going to be pushing right up against the draft. And it's quite possible that you have Shane Wright, Matt Savoy, Connor Geeky, um, the, the Winnipeg could be there, right? So it, it, that part of it is, is going to be an ongoing conversation. I wanted to just ask you, I saw your 2023 draft rankings and I know we're like a year ahead, obviously, but with guys yeah. like Connor Bedard and um, Montfi Mitchkov, Dalibor Dvorsky, Adam Fentili, et cetera, do you think this is the most loaded draft since 2015? And I just wanted to ask you one more thing too, a BCHL guy like Matthew Wood, do you think um, him going the NCAA route will benefit him um, more so than joining a team like the Regina Pats with Connor Bedard and Tanner Howe? I think the simple answer is yes. Uh, yeah. I, on both of those things in terms of this being the best draft since 2015, that's, a, it looks for sure like that to me. Uh, I, it may be even better than 2015. I think that's possible. Obviously 2015 was a draft for the ages. I think it's one of the three or four greatest drafts in NHL history without question. And that's Agreed. not just because of McDavid Iko. It's Nico Rantanen. It's Barzell. You go yep. down the list. It's Kyle it Connor. Was, it was yep. unbelievable. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, next year is special. The, the challenge that next year faces is on defense. It really is not a very strong group on defense. But on the flip side, you're going to see 10 to 15 centers taken in the first round who are legit, legit top of the lineup potential guys. And that is yeah. crazy because we just never see that anymore. Uh, there, it's so often that the most talented players in a draft class are coming on the wing now. And you typically really only see two or three centers at the top of each draft. And to have natural centers just from one all the way through to the end of the first round is going to be incredible. 
Uh, we'll see what happens with Bedard. Frankly, I'm, I'm, I'll be very interested to see whether his NHL team puts him at center or at the wing long-term, mm-hmm. but I'd, mm-hmm. I'd like to see him be an NHL center. Um, yep. So yeah, it, it's, it's going to be incredible. As far as Matt Wood goes, I mean, talk about another kid who's exciting, right? Like he is tremendous. He's having one of the best seasons in the history of the BCHL, at least in the last yep. 20 years, a season that's very comparable to what Kent Johnson did and doing it while being younger than Kent Johnson. Um, same with Alex Newhook. He's younger than Alex Newhook was when Alex Newhook had his 100-point season. So yep. it, it's he's he's really good, and he's six foot three, which doesn't hurt either. So yeah, uh, that's obviously, that's obviously Kent and Alex Newhook weren't that. So um, yeah, I think it's going to benefit him. He's also a little bit of a skinny kid. When you watch him play out there, he looks like a very rangy kind of wiry kid still. So I think the college yep. route will help him that way just to sort of add the weight, get, get stronger, all of that. So, uh, no, it, it's, it's going to be a ton of fun to watch that draft. You've got the, the other thing about that draft is it's not centered on one league either. You've no. got a very good WHL class, obviously with Braden Yeager and Andrew Cristal and all those guys. And then you've also got an excellent class coming out with Quinton Musty and um, Callum Ritchie coming out of the OHL. It's a little bit of a weaker year for the Q, but you've got players in the USHL coming out. You've got uh, in Gavin Brin- someone like Gavin Brindley out of the USHL. You've got a stacked team again with the National Development Program. You've got players in Slovakia and players in the Czech Republic with Edward Saleh and players in Finland. And it's, it's just, it, you, your eyes are going to be drawn everywhere. And there's going to be talent everywhere you look in terms of the draft and the demographics as well, which is just, I think, fun and great for the game to see guys again, coming out of the Czech Republic, coming out of Slovakia. So uh, I'm, I'm very, very excited to watch it unfold and see how it all plays out who really distinguishes themselves from that group because you're going to have players that really establish themselves in the top 10. And then I think you're also going to have players who are drafted 28th overall, who become the the sort of Corey Perry's of, of yeah. 2003, right. That go on yep. and have unbelievable careers. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Yeah. That I'm, I'm more excited for the 2023 draft than I am this one. I want this one to be over. Oh, with so no we, question. Can, yeah. Yeah. we can get <laughs> onto that already. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it's great. I'm excited. You know, you mentioned guys like Andrew Crystal. Um, he's been really good for Kelowna and he's been very exciting to watch. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he Matthew, may not even be a first, he may not even be a first round pick. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's the other thing too. There's so many players that are just like widely available. Um, it's going to be crazy. Like I think like the first three rounds are just going to be loaded with talent and it's, yeah, yeah it's going to be a lot of fun to just d- dig in and, look at all the prospects and make these rankings and, you know, do all that. I'm excited. Um, Like with the 2023 draft, I mean, I've always had this question about what teams are going to do with that. I mean, that draft with trading and are those picks more valuable? Like when, when teams are looking at the future and saying, well, we're going to trade this first round pick for a guy that'll help right now. Does that decision-making change now because of how strong this draft is that teams are just going to hold on to those picks? Yeah, that's a part of it. Uh, I think you'll see a lot of picks that do get dealt be lottery protected. I think you'll see a lot of teams actually prefer the 2023 selection at this year's trade deadline. Typically, regardless of the strength of, of the two drafts that follow every trade deadline, typically the draft that is sooner is valued greater, right? Like typically 
you would think that the 2022 draft picks would be at a premium versus the 2023 picks just because you're getting the kids sooner, you're getting them into a system quicker, you know more about the draft, your scouts are more knowledgeable on the players, all of that. And that's typically true. Typically, teams value the immediacy of the pick that's coming up. But I almost wonder whether teams will ask for the 2023 pick this year yeah. instead of the 2022 one. Uh, and, and it's going to be an interesting back and forth with clubs because there's value for a club to trade its 2023 pick and hang on to its 2022 one, especially if you're a contending team, just because in theory, that player that you get could help you in your contending window a little bit sooner. But you also, there's going to be a a tricky game back and forth where everybody knows what the, it's no secret. Nobody's getting duped into, (laughs) uh, oh, the 2023 draft isn't a fantastic draft. Every single general manager knows it and they're going to use that as leverage as well. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see it play out. I think you're going to see teams go all in on scouting the draft. I've already heard of a couple of teams that are actually uh, growing their scouting departments just so that they can make sure that, they're as well prepared for 2023 as possible. Plus naturally teams are just coming out of the pandemic and budgets are starting to come back, which is going to help with beefing up scouting and the information gathering that's going to happen in advance of next year's draft. And it's already clear as day that teams like Buffalo and teams like Arizona are going to continue to tank this. They're not tanking for this year. They're tanking for next year as well. Right. So Uh, That is already happening. Montreal under their new management under Kent Hughes is going to do the exact same thing. Montreal by all accounts is going to go all in on securing one of those players next year. So it's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a huge buyers and sellers market for the 2023 Stanley cup versus this year's Stanley cup. Because I think once teams realize they're out of it and they don't have a chance to make the playoffs, it, there's going to be an all-in mentality from management, obviously not from players, but there's going to be yeah. an all-in mentality from a lot of clubs to say, okay, even if we can't get Bedard and Michkov, we need to secure as high a pick as we possibly can. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. I, I believe that for sure. Um, I just wanted to ask you one more question before we uh, let you go, unless Matthew has something to bring up. But so with a guy with, like like Matvey Michkov with 2023, you know, mm-hmm. His, his KHL contract is something that teams are going to look at. Does he fall at all due to his KHL contract or do this, does the team take him second overall and just wait for the couple years or the three years? I mean, if it were me, I'd just wait. Uh, yep. I, I don't want that on my resume. I don't want to be the GM that passed on Matt Bamichkov <laughs> because I had to wait three years and was impatient yep. and yeah. took Adam Fantilli, for example, instead, because yeah. as great as I think Adam Fantilli is going to be, Matt Bamichkov is going to be a special talent, is oh, a special yes. talent. Yeah. And I think he's going to potentially score 40 goals in the NHL. And that I almost never say that about these kids. Like it's just such a hard thing to do. And I think he's very capable of doing it and becoming a true star. And I absolutely think he's the best Russian prospect since Ovechkin. So uh, I wouldn't pass up on him and maybe you can, maybe you can change his mind. Maybe he can get out of that contract. That's going to be a very tricky situation because the Russians have made it clear to the NHL that they're tired of their players leaving as early as they do. And that they would like to instill some kind of a transfer agreement, some kind of an international transfer agreement where teams, not just in Russia, but teams around hockey that produce players from other leagues are being compensated for that. And it already kind of exists with the CHL where 
the, pr the price is 175 or 200 grand to each club that produces uh, an NHL player. That's been in existence through the CHL NHL agreement for years. And it's the reason that the London Knights have made so much money over the years, because every yep. time they produce a player, the NHL club has to pay them for that player. And the yep. same isn't true with these clubs in Europe. And in particular, the KHL is going to work very hard to hang on to these kids and keep them in Russia longer so that the NHL has no choice but to pony up money moving forward to to bring these kids over and to pay for them. So Michkov is really them putting their foot in the ground and saying, this is going to change and we're going yep. to make it so that either our players pay and they're earning more money than they would on their entry-level contract, which is what's going to happen with Michkov. He's going to be paid above a million US dollars uh, in those three years. Yep. Uh, so he's going to be earning more. And then they're going to say, if, if you guys want it to change and you want us to stop signing these players or you want us to break the contracts that we've signed with these players, then there needs to be some kind of transfer fee uh, for that to happen. So it's it's going to, this is just the start, I think, of a strong push from the KHL and from the Russian Hockey Federation to change the way that the game operates. And it'll be fascinating if it works. And Michkov, it sounds like they're determined to make sure that even if he wants to leave earlier than that, that that's not going to happen and there's going to be yeah. serious domestic pressure on him uh to make sure that he stays so uh, at the end of the day that that sucks for the team that drafts mm -hmm. him for sure but you're just going to get a superstar at 21 22 years old instead of at yeah. 18 19 and i think it's worth worth waiting for worth, that yeah absolutely right. if like if I was a GM it's the same thing i would wait a few years you don't want to pass on a player like that with that you know, quote unquote generational talent you just yeah. don't do that you you wait but, a few years and, and on the flip side what if you're a general manager who knows that you're on the hot seat and that three years from now you may not be at the helm right like yep. that's yeah. it's easier that's said thing. than done yep, yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely do you have any other questions matthew um just a quick one to finish um i just wanted to ask you about a couple canucks prospects uh Danila Klimovich and uh, Aiden McDonough. Um, of the two, who do you think will be the high, like have the higher ceiling uh, in the NHL? I mean, they're both Klimovich is a second round pick. Uh, McDonough was a sixth round pick, but um, I mean, McDonough's had a, such a great season in the NCAA. He's kind of risen his his stock. I I argue he's in the top three in prospects of the Canucks right now. I don't know if that's my, about saying what he is or what the Canucks prospect pool is right now. <laughs> um uh, what do you think i'm specifically about mcdonough because i've i've followed him for a while now and really impressed with what he's done in the last uh, season or two yeah I, I think at the start of this season i would have said klimovich has the higher upside uh he just shown so much and he was so intriguing in belarus and it was a weird path and we didn't really know what he was going to look like over here I believe that he would have been much better served uh, going to uh, um, the QMJHL to play with Ruin Noranda. I just think that would have been a better fit for him, even if he puts up. I, I think the fear was that he would be too good for the league because of how strong he is and the way that he shoots the puck. But I think even if he put up 90, 100 points, that's not a bad uh, that's not a bad thing for Klimovich's development. And I think the much more likely scenario was that maybe he wasn't going to be as dominant as you thought. And maybe if he puts up 60, 70 points, then you say, okay, maybe he's not there for one year, but we actually want him there for two years. And now they have just kind of removed some of those options. I don't think he's looked. 
but th there's no question that it hasn't been a perfect development year for him. And then on the flip side, obviously for McDonough, it's been great. And I think you're absolutely right to think that McDonough has established himself as one of the better Canucks prospects. Uh, I still think Jack Rathbone's the best of their current group. And then you yeah. kind of go from there. And there's a lot of names that you could yeah. put into that second tier. But uh, McDonough's in yeah. that group for sure. I think Klimovich is still in that group, but McDonough is, it looks close. Like he's the kind of kid who's going to graduate college, sign his entry-level contract, maybe start in the AHL. But I think he'll be a very impactful AHL player almost right away. And then he's a call-up option and it's on him to make the most of, of the call-up if an injury strikes and he gets an opportunity. I think that's kind of where he's at. He's not so good in college that you just immediately insert him into your NHL roster. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, I think he's the kind of player who could make good on a call-up and stick around. So uh, that's what, kind of where I'm at on both of those kids right now. And I'm excited to see what McDonough does post NCAA, obviously. Yeah. I mean, I think McDonough could potentially be that like power play guy, the way he can shoot the puck on the power play. Um, and his skating's improved, I think, over the last couple or year or so. Um, so, I mean, that was a knock on him going in. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's going to be exciting to see what he can do. Yeah. Well, I think that about wraps up everything for me. I mean, You've been great. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show, Scott. Uh, we yeah, really appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, the pleasure is all ours. Uh, we will have all of Scott's links down below. You guys can check out all of his work to The Athletic and everything down below. Uh, go give everything he has a read. He is a great writer. Um, thank you so much again for joining us and have a great, great Cheers, day. Cheers, guys. Have a good weekend.